On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Tracy Lynn joins me, and we are going to be talking about all kinds of things. Political debates, are they worthwhile anymore? The Prime Minister says he's only going to be involved in two of them. Does he even need to do two of them? Or do we just gas them and start out with something else? Would you tear down Hitler's house if you had the choice? Or do you keep it as a museum so you don't forget history? That's a debate going on in Austria right now. Have we all become children? Great column in the New York Post says, essentially, all of us adults are regressing, become infantile again. Is that true? And... Is it fair to sue your neighbor because they are barbecuing too much? Mmm, barbecue. Well, that's not what the person who was sending the lawsuit along thought. that She was saying, not so much mmm lawsuit or mmm barbecue, but I am. You take a listen. I'm going to barbecue. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Welcome to the Scott Radley Show for this Friday evening. Glad you are with us because we have many things on this Friday to get through stuff that has happened this week, stories that we want to talk about, issues we want to get around to. We may, and I'm going to say may, because I know there's a point at which everybody says, okay, I got it, I got it. We may talk about the arena fight today, but I'm not promising that yet because I think we've, we've talked about that a lot this week. We'll see. But we have, as I say, some stories that we want to get to, um, The world is a truly, truly, truly strange place, and uh, we are going to touch on a number of evidences of that philosophy, of that belief, because um, my goodness, my goodness, we have stuff to talk about. Uh, It is the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio is what we like to call it, and when we come back after the break, I'm going to introduce you to who is here today. It is a voice that if you are a regular listener of CHML, or if you have been in years past, you will recognize because once upon a time, she was on here all the time. But, you know, things happen, times change, life gets in the way. She's sort of not been here very much. Well, we're bringing her back. We are, we're, it's a return engagement. If you want to know who it is, stick around. You'll find out after the break and it's worth your while. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Now, I want to bring in someone who, uh, she used to be here every Sunday, I think it was. It was Sunday, right? Every Sunday. And then, well, that show came to a, you know, it ran its course and went on her way. But she is back. Tracy Lynn, media mogul. You see her everywhere. You see her on, I don't know if I'm allowed to say CTV because we're a global station, but she is. You can see her on CTV if you're not watching the right channel. (laughs) And you can see her elsewhere and hear her on radio stations and you can see her stuff on Facebook and everything else. Hey, welcome back. Well, thanks for having me. It's nice to be back. I mean, even Ted Michaels was welcoming you back. And Ted is a curmudgeon. If Ted is happy to see you back, it, you must be special. I got a hug from Ted. Wow. That is, nobody gets a hug from Ted. Mother Teresa wouldn't get a <laughs> hug from Ted. My Friday is so complete right now. I need to have a glass of wine. You know, I've long thought that we should be licensing this studio. It would be a way more interesting show if this was a licensed studio. Could you imagine our two? For some people, conversation some of the guests who have been here, I would be a little, we would have to have more than one sensor button yes. <laughs> <laughs> ready to go. We'd have to have a, a team of sensors standing yes. by. Yes, you would. Uh, and, uh, among other things, we've got so many things to get to, but I did want to start with this because you are maybe... And maybe people don't know this about you, and maybe there's a, uh, you know, a sexist thing that people wouldn't think this because, you know, you're a woman. Mm -hmm. You probably are the biggest NFL fan that I know. NFL season started yesterday, and I must say, 
that was about the worst kickoff game to a season in the history of football. It was awful. It was slow. So you can look at it two ways. <laughs> it <was> One, <laughs> that, you know, they played really well, you know, and they just made sure that the other team wasn't going to win. Or, yeah, I, I'm going to admit I fell asleep. <laughs> I was, I mean, look, I, I have been drawn back into tennis because mm-hmm. of Bianca Andreescu lately. Yes. But man, there was absolutely no comparison last night. There was no dis- no difficulty making the decision where I was going to be watching. Because that football game, I mean, if it had been a great game, it would have been, okay, I'll go back mm-hmm. and forth. No, I'll watch tennis. I was worried when I woke up this morning because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is this what the season is going to be like? Let's hope not. Because Sunday's a big day. Like, full Every day, Sunday. Food, football. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I put my picks in. I am, I'm in a pool. I put them all in. Today, I'm thinking I might have to change a few. You also, you said this just before the show, and I, I don't know how they track you down, although we do it around here too, but uh, after was it after the game yesterday? Ended up on... Uh, actually, Labor Day. So oh, after Labor Day. our classic game where Hamilton won. Ended up on the New Orleans Saints radio show I, on their yes, station. Yes, With Bobby Bear. Yes. The former quarterback, the Cajun quarterback who used to play for the Saints. Why were they calling you? I mean, not that they wouldn't, well, but why were they calling I'm you? because I'm a female that loves football. Okay, so that was it? That was it. They wanted to know my opinion about something. Thing, which was? Which was what my thoughts were on Toronto getting an NFL team. And? Bobby was not happy with my answer. And what was your answer? I said, um, it's a great thought. Uh, I personally, as a fan, I think it's nice. It would be great to go just go to Toronto, go for an hour drive, and yep. we can go to a game. But I don't think it would fly here. It, everything's all nice and shiny at the beginning, but it would wear off, and I don't think that we would get investors, enough investors to keep it going. Well, what's the what did they say the Dallas Cowboys are now worth? They're the 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 gold standard. Is it three and a half billion or something? Was the Forbes estimate? Maybe it was more than yeah. that now. So let's say that an NFL team, not the Cowboys, but an NFL team, would be two billion dollars, mm-hmm. and you need a new stadium because Roger Center is not going to do it. Yeah. So you're up to now three three and a half, and that's U.S. dollars. So you're up to say four billion dollars mm-hmm. to start up. Imagine what the ticket prices would be in Toronto exactly. to recoup that. So why am I going to spend a fortune? Plus, I don't think that we could do a good enough job when it comes to tailgating. No, we couldn't. So why I can just drive an hour and go over the border, catch a Bills game, Yep. and my life is complete. We would be awful at tailgating. We don't have the culture of it. You don't have no. it from high school football and college football no. and then pro football. We've seen, you know, when the Toronto Argos, bless them for trying a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, said, hey, we've got tailgating. It was organized corporate tailgating. That's not tailgating. No. Tailgating is what happens in Buffalo. And I'm sorry if your sensibilities are delicate, but you get completely hammered up and then jump off the top of a Winnebago through a flaming table. Well, that you could definitely do that. Now, <laughs> do. I'll let you do the they, jumping. I no, know they do. I I've know they it. do. I don't want to do it. Um, I was in uh, Pittsburgh uh, in December. So tailgating there was awesome. I go over to Cleveland. Now they know. The fans just know how to do it. Well, where in the NFL don't they know how to do it? I, I would say everywhere they're good at it. We don't do it. And any no. efforts we've tried, I mean, across the street from from Tim Hortons Field at Scott Park, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay. It's okay. But it's, you know, there's a hundred people, maybe it's not. If you've ever been to a Bills game, you understand what tailgating is. And they don't all jump through flaming tables from the roof of a no. Winnebago. Not all. They not all. But most of them would fall into the first category of being sufficiently Tanked. And they start at like seven o'clock in the morning. That's why they're tanked. Yes, I love it. It's an amazing experience, but I just don't feel confident enough that Toronto can do it. No, 
and ticket prices would be exorbitant out of the, and, and here's the thing. So you'd say you'd have all these people line up to buy season tickets or to say they wouldn't to put the down Mm -hmm. payment down and then the ticket prices will come out and they'll go, Oh, and this was, this was the same thing with the idea of an NHL team in Hamilton Mm -hmm. for years. And remember the last time or one of the times before they said, Hey, it's a $50 deposit for your season ticket. Uh And we sold, we had the whole place sold out in five minutes. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a second. Asking people to put $50 down is stupid mm-hmm. because you know what? That's fine. Everyone will put $50 down. Then when the bill comes, but tell them you have to put $5,000 per ticket down. And if we get a team, that's non-refundable and see yeah. how many guys get the okay from their wife or vice versa. Then yeah. that will be your real test. And then the price of beer on top of that. Which will be $15 and they won't allow you to tailgate and bring in your yeah, own. Exactly. And oh yeah, no, no, no. So I just said to him, I didn't agree with it. It was a great idea but I don't feel that we are capable of doing so. Did Bobby Bear still have the good Cajun accent though? He did. He was very excitable like, when he speaks. I loved it. It was hard to hear on the phone, but uh, it was a great conversation and, and nice of them to think that some Hamilton girl knows what she's talking about when it comes to football. Well, she does, and she knows other <laughs> things too, which we will get into when we come back right after this. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We know that there is a federal election that is coming up in a month and a half from now. And I don't want to dive. It's Friday night. I don't want to dive too, uh, too far into the, into the politics stuff. But the one thing about this, the story that came out today that I found really interesting, and it was today, yesterday, Justin Trudeau, there's five debates that are being offered Mm -hmm. for the leaders. Justin Trudeau has said he's only going into two of them. The other three, you can do with them what you want, but I guess there's going to be an empty seat for Justin Trudeau. And a lot of people are being bent out of shape about the fact that he's not going to come and should he be coming and all the rest. I, I have a different answer to this whole thing. I don't see any positive, helpful reason for us to hold leadership political debates anymore because we get absolutely nothing out of them. They are scripted. They are too organized. The leaders have their talking points. They know ahead of time what's going to be asked. Nobody ever gets really challenged to the point where they're flustered or they're ex- not expecting. Mm-hmm. I, I, Tracy, I see no benefit anymore to even having these. A different format, sure. Mm-hmm. But these things are a waste of time to me. Do people still watch these debates? Yes. But to the full extent that they run. Yes. They do. Yes. And and media covers them breathlessly waiting yeah. for some kind of person to trip up or something. But again, half the time, you know, you're, you're the leader. And I say, Tracy, what are you going to do about the economy? Nothing. And you turn around and you say, well, I was talking to a farmer in Exeter last <laughs> week named Bob and Bob had three chickens and you don't even answer the question. Yeah. And we don't have a system that allows the... Well, I suppose we do, but nobody ever does it. The moderator to cut in and go, Mr. Prime Minister, please, I don't want to hear about Bob and Exeter. Answer the question. We don't do that. So we just waste our time with this stuff. Mm -hmm. So he was basically invited to five parties. Yes. And he's only going to show up to three. Two. Two. And people are upset. Well, I would be upset if he didn't come to mine. Well, sure. But I don't, my point is, I don't see, there is very little benefit. It seems to me that we need to change things up. Once upon a time when this was a new idea, mm-hmm. they weren't all prepared like they are now. So when you ask someone a question, they had yeah. to go, huh, hadn't hmm. thought of that. That's a good question. Let me give you an answer. And you got honesty out of them. Yeah. 
Now you have teams of people who have prepared you ahead of time. It would be like you going and yes. giving a, a, a scripted answer to everything. It would be like me reading off a teleprompter. Exactly, without the teleprompter. You've just memorized the yes. talking points. Yeah, no, I see your point. Um, and I guess I see other people's points when they're they're upset because they're not having, he's not going to all five. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, you're never. We, we both know we are never going to make everybody happy. See, I, I think election debates have great merit the lower down the pecking order you get. Mm-hmm. So when you get into either municipal or even local MPs, MPPs, yeah. who don't have the political experience and the vast teams of people around them, you can get honest answers from them. But the leaders are too prepared. There's just, here's what we need to do. And I don't know if anybody would watch it. And I guarantee you no leader would ever agree to do this. Okay. Every leader is going to have a one hour or two hour private time on network television here in Canada Mm -hmm. with one interrogator who is from, is anti that person, Mm -hmm. who who has a political position that is opposed to that person. Let us have someone who is an interrogator challenge Mm -hmm. you as opposed to friendly voices who leave it open to you to just say whatever the heck you want. Mm -hmm. And every party then gets challenged. Let's see how you do then. Yeah, could you imagine that conversation? An unscripted question, no time to answer. They only have 10 seconds to answer. Well, you, you have, so Trudeau is now going to be grilled by someone who's a conservative commentator mm-hmm. and Sheer is going to be grilled by someone who's a liberal commentator and Jagmeet Singh is going to be interrogated by someone who is wherever. It would be so much more interesting and so much more illuminating as to where you stand on your positions. Can you defend a position yeah. for real? This, like, I don't, I don't even blame the prime minister really, because again, first of all, he's not going to lose points because he didn't go to the debates because we don't learn anything from the debates. Maybe a few people say, oh, you didn't go, you're a coward. Well, okay. Those people weren't voting for him anyway. Well, I will admit I don't watch them. You're smart. I get bored. You're smart. And I figure, you know what? I'll just catch it on a headliner like the next day. And you're, I think you're smart because they have become, Why, thank you. You, no, because they've become useless. You are, you, you are making better use of your time than all the rest of us suckers who sit there and w- watch these things, hoping for that. Do you remember when, um, uh, who was it? Was it, uh, um, Dan Quayle and Benson mm-hmm. when it was, you know, you're no Robert Kennedy. Yeah. I knew Bobby Kennedy. You're no Bobby Kennedy. You're waiting for those, you're waiting for that one moment and they so rarely come and yet mm-hmm. we're. And then we sit there and we listen to the politicians just tell us what they've all been prepared to say. Mm-hmm. We'll t- you know what? Let's come back. We're going to talk about the other ideas that you could do for a political debate instead of the debates that are boring everyone to death and that accomplish nothing at this point. We'll do it right after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. And what we're talking about is not the politics themselves. We're not talking about who's got the better platform right now. There's plenty of time before the federal election for that stuff to be sorted out. This is about the fact that the prime minister has been asked with the other leaders to be in five debates before the October election. And he said, no, I'm doing two of them. The other three, leave my seat open. I will not be there Mm -hmm. for those. And it's my position that it doesn't really matter because political debates as they have become now are almost completely useless, at least at these high levels. Again, low level stuff, MPPs, MPs, municipal, we still can get stuff because the politicians are not as 
expert. They're not as glossy and everything else. But the, the leaders, we're getting nothing from them. And Tracy, just before the break, I said there are other ways. We mentioned one, which was let someone who is an interrogator basically go after each one, one-on-one. The other one, though, why do we not take moderators out of it entirely and say, if you're in the public, we're not going to pre-select you to be the person who's going to ask the mm-hmm. softball question. We're going to let the public actually question these people and not just ask the question. And this is what happens in every one of these question and answer things. You ask the politician a question, he or she answers and quickly moves on to the next person. And you never get a chance for a follow-up to say, wait a second, you didn't answer my question. Let them keep going until they're satisfied with it. That would be fascinating to me. That I would watch. That would be very entertaining. Just to, you know, you have a regular person, one of us, go into a group, you start asking the questions. They're going to ask the real questions. Yes. And the, the politician is not going to have that, uh, well, I don't know how to answer that moment. Or, as I say, just the ability to make something up and then move on to the next person. So you're left there standing going, but that was not the question I mm-hmm. asked. Let them say, no, hold on, Mr., Mrs., Ms., that's not what I asked you. What are you going to do about this? See, with my experience when it comes to politicians, they are like actors. Yes. So they are going to obviously answer those questions. And that's where, you know, how can you tell? Are they being truthful and honest and sincere? Or are they just putting their their actor suit on? And that's a very fair question. But again, I think if you let the public, I think the public sees through a lot of the, Mm -hmm. I mean, look, we have caricatures now of all of our (laughs) federal leaders. Yep. We have. They have become caricatures mm-hmm. of themselves. We know what Justin Trudeau's shtick is. We know what Andrew Shear's thing is. We know what Jagmeet Singh's thing is. I think people see through that stuff now. And I would be fascinated if, again, if a member of the public was allowed to do follow-up questions or whatever and say, no, I asked you about this. Please answer this. You're not answering. And if they want to keep dodging it, mm-hmm. they, we- they wear that. They, yeah. they, they don't get off easy then. They look like they dodge that mm-hmm. question. And there's no amount of training that could help you look any better at that moment. No. The spotlight is on you. The camera is on you. You have to either answer. You have to fish or cut bait. You have to answer or say, I don't have an answer for that. And just during the commercial break, we were saying, you know, that would possibly, possibly force politicians into a little more honesty because again, they have talking points Mm -hmm. going into these debates. And the question is, okay, you know what, could you, because these, these debates are all about promises. They're all about making sweeping giant promises. Could you win an election in 2019 by saying, you know what, I'm not making giant sweeping promises. We're, uh, we've got a bit of a mess here. And I'm not promising you new buildings and new this and new that. We're going to fix, just fix. And I'm not even making promises about that because we don't know what the books are like. We don't. Could anyone win if they did not make giant? Absolutely. You think so? Look, you have Trump. Mm-hmm. Look at him. He has made me believe that I can be anything. I can do anything. I don't need skill or talent. He's, mo- uh, he's motivated you. He he's has inspired motivated. you. He's inspired me. <laughs> I'm going to run for politics. It's so you get a politician who stands up on the stage and says, you know what? I am a leader who says, I'm not making any promises in this election. We're going to get into office. 
We're going to look at what the books are and we are going to start fixing the stuff that needs to be fixed. We're not promising you more of this or more of that. See, I don't think, I, I think as much as people know that's what probably has to happen, mm-hmm. they don't want to hear that. They want to hear stuff I'm going to get from you. Yes. I want you to overpromise and underdeliver. I don't want you to fix things. We don't have a fixer in politics. We don't have a fixer. That's what we need. But the same thing you just said. I want a politician who's going to overpromise, who's going to tell me all this glorious stuff. Well, that's stuff. what I'm used to. But Everywhere be, in life, but then overpromise, we become, underdeliver. But we become so cynical then. So when you've got well, up we there- we become bitter. Well, that too. That too. But you've now got people who we feel like we need to have someone tell us what we want to hear. So we go, I like what they're saying. We vote for them. They don't deliver and we become cynical. And the next person- But they person made d- me feel all warm and fuzzy when they delivered the message. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And that's what the current debates are. That's what our debates are right now with no real ability to demand answers or to make them look idiotic if they don't do it, which is why, as I said, I am told if Justin Trudeau doesn't want to show up for any of the debates, fine. If none of the leaders want to show up for any of the debates, if they just want to cancel the debates, fine. Unless you can fix this and make it so that we're going to learn something from this, something real, mm-hmm. You're just, you've got the right idea. Just don't even watch them. Tracy Lynn is the smartest person in Canada right now for saying that because all the rest of us who sit down and spend an evening watching it at the end, we go. But when I run, you better watch and listen to me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because Tracy Lynn is very polished. She will, she will have all the talking points down. She'll know how to do it. I'll know everything about Justin Bieber and Kim Kardashian. That's, um, I don't know how far that'll get you. Although, you know, with, with a certain part of the audience... (laughs) <laughs> you, you may ring some bells. We may be seeing Tracy Lynn, Prime Minister. How would that sound? I like it. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, nothing personal, but... You could be my assistant. Oh, okay. Sold. I know. You know what? No. I you take that back. You could be my back. PR guy. I want nothing to do with politics. Want to be the water guy? Um, I, yeah, I had someone say, you should run one time. And I said, I will run for politics the day that I grow a full afro. Like, it's just never, ever. 2019, anything is possible. Do you know how many products are out there for that? There's nothing going to help this end. (laughs) You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This story came out this week and I was, I was fascinated by this because I can, I can see the difficulty in the decisions that are being made. Heaven knows in our city, our city council is tied up in knots on certain things. This new arena being one of them. Go over to Austria. And the Austrian government has been in this position where they have been trying to decide whether or not to demolish the building where Adolf Hitler was born. And they have decided, no, we're not going to knock that building down for a variety of reasons. One of them is because whether we like it or not, it's a historic site. It is a place that it's a building where people still live. It's not a museum or something. And you know what? You can't just plow over history just by getting rid of a house doesn't get rid of what happened to Hitler. And you don't want to forget your history, I guess, is the point here. If you had been on Austria's government and you had a vote in this, what would you have voted to do? Uh, Get rid of it. Take it down. You would? Well, why do you need to have something as a constant reminder when we already are reminded of this every day? You know about it. You're taught it. But I just don't, I, I think for families that have just, it's a sensitive thing. There, uh, there's Very no reason. sensitive. Just get rid of it. See, what, here in Ontario, in this area, when the Bernardo trial was over, they plowed that house. They, they leveled that house because of what had happened there in Port Dalhousie. And 
I think there was quite a bit of support for that idea. In fact, I don't know if you had, point is, if you had argued against such a thing, people would have probably accused you of being a Paul Bernardo supporter. Yes. No one wanted to be a Paul Bernardo supporter, so that's fine. I'm good with the house going down. But to me, Hitler is a different thing. Evil beyond words Mm -hmm. with what he did. No one's disputing that, but it's a... I kind of get where they're coming from on this one because it's a point of history that you don't, you can't, simply by plowing that house doesn't undo what happened It's in not going to get rid of it. I, I agree with that, but I just don't see the point in them having it up there. Is there, is there any, see, there's no way to me that you get rid of the story of Hitler. And I don't think you should get rid of this. I mean, yeah. as, as horrible as you can, we don't want to have our next generation Mm-hmm. not be aware because of that old line about if you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat it. I think it's important to remember mm-hmm. Hitler. You don't celebrate him. Some do, but I think 99.99% of us don't celebrate him, mm-hmm. but you have to remember. You have to remember, but we don't need that building up to remember him or what he did and just the history. Just mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like there's no point. What about all the other, because there are, there are landmarks all over Germany mm-hmm. that were built under him and under the Nazis. Do you get rid of all of them as well? Do you take down any one of the buildings and the stadium and the, all the other things that were built under, by his dictate to say, you know what, we have to cleanse Germany and Austria of any remembrance. We'll still remember him. We just don't want any physical signs of him. Well, now you're putting me on the spot because instantly I'd be like, yep, take it all down. Take it all down, start new. And yet. It comes down to money too. I get it. It comes down to money. It comes down to history. It comes down to part of the. Yeah, but we don't need the building. You said where he was born. That's that. So you see, here's the interesting one is there are people who are still living. I guess it's an apartment building still. It wasn't a house. It's some sort of building and it's in Braunau and I'm probably pronouncing that one terribly wrong. So I apologize to all my uh, German-speaking friends. B-R-A-U-N-A-U. Braunau. I think that's probably closer. Although my German is weak. I married a German and I still can't speak it properly. Uh, It's a three-story structure in this little border town on a town that divides Germany and Austria. There are people who are saying, you know what? I'll tell you what we should do with it. We should turn it into a Holocaust museum. What? Well, so spin the whole thing around. You've got this place where he was born. Let's turn it into a place that is a reminder of what he did so we don't forget this stuff. And so not a, again, not celebrating. You don't forget it. If it's the first time that you're hearing, you just, you don't forget it. What about other sites? Like the Texas School Book Depository in Dallas, Mm -hmm. where... Lee Harvey Oswald allegedly shot JFK from. You've killed the president. You've assassinated the president. That is now a very, very popular, highly attended museum in Dallas. See, when I when you tell me about these places, the first thing that I'm thinking of is it's just another place for people to go and take a selfie and glorify that situation and glorify that that place, right? That's that is absolutely one view of it for so sure. So what? What, what, do I really need to see someone with a selfie there or do I want to visit a place like that? No, I don't. Uh, maybe just because I don't have any time to go and visit. But if I was offered, I would decline. But we, we spend, 
I mean, I'm assuming we spend, based on the number of shows for, that are, for example, on Netflix, we spend hours watching shows about true crime and wallowing in the misery that some people have had for our entertainment. And I am one of those people that watch those type of documentaries. So how's that different? Because I'm fascinated by human behavior and what has happened because I want to learn more. Because when I think about being in high school and learning it, I, I, I wasn't mature enough to grasp and understand what was going on. But now that I'm older, and plus I'm in a business where I, I'm talking about it, I want to get a better understanding, but I'm not, I'm watching it, yes. But I'm not going and visiting to reminisce and breathe in the air. And you know what's funny though, not funny ha-ha, funny ironic, is that, for example, when Making a Murderer came out on Netflix mm-hmm. about Stephen Avery in Wisconsin and the whole thing, if you haven't watched Making a Murderer, you're one of the four people in the world who hasn't. But yeah. the sites in that, series have now become huge tourist attractions. His farm, his auto wrecking yard, people are driving by and taking pictures all the time. It's inevitable that if you make something a pop culture landmark, yeah. people are going to go and want to be there and visit it and see it for themselves. I don't even know what's worse. Or worse, the landmark or the people's mentality of wanting to go. And I, I don't, just that's what we've come down to. I think I just need to accept the fact this is who we are today. Let us take a break. We're going to come back, keep talking about this right after this with Tracy Lynn and me. Stay with us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Bit of a strange story because it never dawned on me that this place would still be standing. But in a little town on the border of Germany and Austria is the town of Brauslau. Again, I hope I'm doing justice to it with my German. Uh, it is where the birthplace of Adolf Hitler stands and the government there, the local government, is trying to figure out what to do with this place. Some want it to be demolished. Some want it to be repurposed into something that can be useful as a learning place or something else. And the 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 knock against tearing it down is... Re- and as the government workers are saying or the government employees, the, the leaders are saying... That would suggest that we are somehow sending the message we're trying to pave over our history, painful though it may be, and that sends a wrong message. The argument against keeping it up, well, I think that one is an obvious one that people would have, and Tracy has laid that out pretty clearly. But again, it, Tracy, it's not just Hitler's home, although he certainly is at the top of the pecking order of bad people and you know whose home would be indicative of that. It's we... We are fascinated by these bad things that happen to people. And it fi- I find it very almost hypocritical, I would think, of some, not, I'm not saying us in particular, but the public in general to say, oh, you must get rid of this house because something bad started there. But I'm going to continue to watch all my true crime stuff on TV because that's so interesting. That It's a tough balancing act to find both. Well, I mean, that's what I just said. I, I would say take it down, but I do watch the programs. And that becomes, it's it's sort of a weird, and I, I've watched the programs. Mm-hmm. I've watched Making a Murderer. It's a tough thing to say. Yeah, it's we should take it down because we shouldn't have this stuff. But, but how do we get around that? How do we, how do we jive those two sides of the coin? We live in a day and age where we are groomed to Band-Aid everything. Just put a Band-Aid over it. Don't deal with it. Just cover it up. Get rid of it. But 
in your own personal time, kind of dwell on it. But don't let anybody else see anything about what's go- really going on. So I think that's what they're, they're saying. You know what? It, maybe in their minds, they're thinking we get rid of it um, and it's not going to be a, re- a daily reminder as to what has happened. See, I'm looking at this. One of the things they're talking about is we could make it look a little bit different on the outside. We could renovate it. We could do whatever else. And I'm looking at that going, ah, that seems to be... The Band-Aid approach. Well, yeah, but that's also fine. If if you're going to do that, if you're going to do something with it, you know, there are lots of people. We were just down in California. People listen have heard me talk about this a few times. And we drove around and looked at a bunch of celebrity homes and stuff, Mm -hmm. doing all the ridiculous stuff. And a number of them, Lucille Ball's house, for example, we found this place on the map. But we got there and then it says, well, but the whole thing has been completely redone. This is not at all what it looks like when she lived here. Well, then why am I looking at it? It means nothing anymore because that's not really what her house was. True, true. I, I mean, I will agree with you on that So one. that seems sort of then, why am I, so I don't need to go buy anymore. So if you redo the whole thing, you can still use it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have the same effect where you're looking at something like looking at an old picture and it brings back memories. If you reface it, then I can see that it wouldn't bring back that reminder because that location, you can put whatever you want there. The location's still going to be the location. I just think it's a dangerous thing when we try to, as you say, band-aid over stuff or just we, f- we try to get rid of it by getting rid of it. If we can just knock that building down, if we can just paint over that wall, whatever else, then what happened here didn't really happen here. And that to me is a, that to me is a dangerous thing to start doing because that's not true. It's not true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can understand that point of view where, I mean, for some people, thinking that, well, then it gets rid of all the history that's there. It's a hard thing. It's not something you can agree on, and it's not something you can't agree on because everyone's going to have their own opinion on They're it. They've been fighting about it for months here in Austria. And what's the, the percentage, yay and nay? Do we it, have any updates it, on well, that? No, it, they, they're still, right as of right now, they are not going to be tearing it down. So I guess the majority is saying no because, again, they are... They're taking the position, well, there's a couple of positions they're taking. One is we don't want to just demolish history. And two is we don't want to create something that becomes a... Domino effect, I guess. You know, like what would have been way more difficult, truly, is if Hitler's bunker where he died, we Mm -hmm. hear where he died, um, if that was still standing, if that hadn't been blown up in the war. Mm -hmm. If his bunker was still standing, and there were parts of it that were, but it was mostly demolished, as I understand it anyway... What would you do with that? And that, see, there's no way in my mind. Take a selfie. People would have. Mm-hmm. People would have. Um, you know, the one place that there is, and, and with the with that bunker, by the way, I, I think it would be would have been very difficult for the German government, if it was still standing fully intact, to say, we're going to blow that up, even though it was a site of horrible decisions and everything else, because it's such a key part of history, even bad history. But the one place where people don't get to take selfies and don't get away with it is at Auschwitz. And it's very clear that when you go there, you're not taking selfies, you're not posing for pictures. They've been able to set that as the standard, Hmm. but it's about the only place that I can think of that has been able to do that. But you're right. This would have been, I'm sure people go by and go, selfie, Hitler's house. This would be an interesting, like a worldwide survey. Uh, Well, I know know what the poll would sound like if it was taken in Israel. Yeah, but it would be an interesting uh, for feedback. We're going to go to the news break. Back with another hour with Tracy Lynn and me, Scott Radley. After this, stay with us. 
You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Tracy Lynn, who is, uh, well, she's a media mogul, really. She's on various radio stations. She's regularly on CTV, which, again, I know it's a global station that we're on right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention CTV, but you really are. You really are. And, and I want to wish you this, which is completely opposite of you because Tracy Lynn works like 18 hours a day and I'm not even exaggerating. Today is National Lazy Mums Day. So happy National Lazy Mums Day, which you don't apply for, you don't, you know, you don't meet that standard at all, but. Well, I wish I knew this when I started my day at 3.30 this morning. Yeah, see, you don't qualify, but for whatever day you decide to be lazy, happy Lazy Mums Day. You can maybe take a rain check on this one and use it another day down the road. Mm -hmm. I'm going to really feel like a man when I take that, that moment up. Feel like a man, huh? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, yeah, National Lazy Mums Day. Any of you who believe that you qualify, see, I don't think I don't think there's many lazy mums out there. No. There's a few. There are a few. Oh yeah, but there's not many. No, just saying. Good for you. There's a very uncelebrated holiday. We don't. You know, there's not a Hallmark selection for that one. You don't go into the store, the card store, and find a big chunk of lazy mums cards. You no, know, and my kids didn't offer for me to have a lazy day. Maybe they should have. It's also National Coffee Ice Cream Day. Maybe the most underappreciated uh, ice cream of the ice creams, the coffee flavor. I don't like coffee-flavored ice cream, but I enjoy my hot coffee and my ice cream. Love coffee ice cream. The two two most underrepresented, underplayed ice cream flavors are coffee and banana. What? Together? No, not together. Just in general. I defy you in this area. Go to a store and try and find banana ice cream. Just not banana mixed with chocolate or banana with chunks. Just banana ice cream. You can't find banana ice cream. I don't think I've ever seen just banana ice cream. But I do know, I can say that over the summer, I could not find a banana popsicle. Like a popsicle, popsicle, or one of those frozen bananas with chocolate no, on it that looks the rude old when you eat popsicles. it. Remember Justin Bieber? He brought back the two. Yes. They're used to only then they 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 dropped the two stick popsicle. They only went to the one stick. Justin Bieber tweeted that he wanted the two stick and he, back, and they did it. And the popsicle company brought it back, but they didn't bring back the banana flavor. Justin Bieber wields enormous power in the popsicle world, mm-hmm. but they don't have banana flavor. All right, well that see that's a loss too. I just. <laughs> We were somewhere and somebody bought one of those. By the way, if the phones are ringing, so if you're waiting on hold, if you're if it's ringing, hang in there. Lorraine will get to you as fast as she can. Um, we were somewhere and someone bought one of those frozen bananas covered in chocolate. There, those things should be outlawed, if only visually. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, you know what else is good since you like banana is a funky monkey. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They're delish. Well, Funky Monkey, the ice cream flavor by Ben and Jerry's yeah. is... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to judge if someone bought me a banana dipped in chocolate. Yeah, you just want to probably it. eat it in private. No. Okay. <laughs> so it, there was a story. I want to ask you about this, and I think I know where you're going to come from on this one. It was from the New York Post. Mm-hmm. It was uh, published yesterday. And the headline is, Americans have become children. And I think, by the way, Americans slash Canadians. Americans have become children demanding, dependent, and needy. Let me read you a couple paragraphs from this. It's talking about how, uh, as a population, here's what she writes, as a population, it's exotic to the point of extinction, vanishing in plain sight, the American adult. 
goes on and on about all the things, how we even have a word now, adulting, because we have to convince ourselves to be adults. Mm-hmm. Um, just look at the five top grossing films this summer. The Lion King, Toy Story 4, Spider-Man, Fire From Home, Aladdin, and John Wick 3. Uh, the biggest album release this summer, if not the year, came awash in pastel colors, animation, dollhouses, and heart-shaped glitter bombs, Lover by Taylor Swift. A front-page story in the Wall Street Journal reported on recesses for grown-ups, a new industry in which otherwise high-functioning adults pay good money to play dodgeball, kickball, hopscotch, and eat grilled cheese and chicken nuggets. Quieter play with Lincoln Logs, Play-Doh, or Silly Putty are also encouraged. Then at the end, we are losing crucial emotional and mental capacities for self-reflection and wandering thought. Or sorry, for wandering thought, for the ability to tolerate boredom. And that's the definition of being a child, all id, out of control, demanding and needy, all dependent. It's position, it's poisoned our politics and our personhood. Mm-hmm. The terrible irony is this, only we can fix it. You agree? Do you agree that we are regressing into being grown-up children? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I'm, I was listening to your list and I really like Taylor Swift's new album, Lover. Um, do I believe that maybe we need to teach a course on how to be an adult? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but it just comes in the day and age where we're we're in, we're now entitled. If I don't, if I wake up and I don't want to be an adult, I don't have to be, and you can't make me. I would like to think that if I'm your boss, I could. Now wow. I can't. I can't because I'm your friend and I'm your colleague. But if I'm your boss, and well, you then show you're up, discriminating. Really? Do you think that a boss would be accused of discrimination? If I said, I expect you to put in a day's work as an adult, that's discriminating? I don't know. Well, I'm taking a mental health day. Well, there's that. And, you know, <laughs> from this article, and it's, it's well worth reading, by the way, again, New York Post, and it's by uh, Maureen Callahan, Americans Have Become Children, Demanding, yeah. Dependent, and Needy. The, those those films, the movies that were top of the box office, it's well, difficult. we're reminiscing in our, in we're our reminiscing, younger years. And we're probably taking our kids. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, I don't know if that, but the, the part that, the part that really made me sort of, hmm, is where she talks about, we now have recess for grownups where we are doing things, companies, businesses now have rooms where you can, you know, you're not really expected to go work all day. So we have foosball and video games. Where are and, they working? I would love a recess. I would love a room to go into and have a little nap and get away from everything. When when Donald Trump won the U.S. election, and we talked about this on this show shortly after that, you may be absolutely repulsed at Donald Trump. That's fine. That's your opinion. That's mm-hmm. totally your choice. I'm not arguing with you about that. But there were universities, University of Michigan, as I recall, one of them came to mind. There were other ones that were bringing in therapy dogs and coloring rooms where you could go and color because people were unable to deal with, with stress, the stress life. And with, well, the biggest one was all their life, I think, mm-hmm. they have never been told you lost. You deal with losing because you're always, mm-hmm. we don't want to keep score now. You're not, you don't lose. And so when something happens that doesn't go the way that you've been told, everything always goes your mm-hmm. way, we have no capacity yeah. to deal with that. Yeah. And so we're taking adults, university students and saying, yeah, get a coloring book. That'll help you. Yes. Cause that always soothes me. I call that having a bottle of wine, <laughs> maybe a box. <laughs> That's how I deal. But I can tell you that my kids growing up, we had friends that did the same thing that their kids always won. Oh, I don't want to upset them. They're going to win. Oh, good for you. My kids? Nope. I wanted to win. 
So I made sure I won. I'm a competitive person. And it was basically you deal with it. So I had to give them those life skills. This is why one of the reasons, and people disagree with me, and that's totally fine, but this is one of the reasons I am a big believer in kids playing competitive sports. Not competitive sports to the point where you are willing to kill your friend to win. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Michael Jordan school of, and Michael Jordan, great for what he is, but just all, take the bubble wrap off all the 10, stories. Yeah. All the stories of Michael Jordan, are, he cannot abide losing. Yeah. I'm not sure we want to be, we want you to experience losing as a mm-hmm. kid, not always being the one who comes out on top. Yeah. Well, life sucks. Sometimes it, it does. It does. It, it doesn't all the time. But when you have that mentality of either we talked about being entitled, I need a recess, give me a coloring book. So when life gets tough, what what do we do? And this doesn't mean, I know there are adults and there are probably some listening going, well, wait a second. I enjoy coloring. It's relaxing. That's not what I'm talking about. No. I'm not talking about in your free time that this is something you enjoy doing as a hobby. That's fine. We all have hobbies we like to do. I'm talking about this is something you have to retreat to because you can't deal with yeah a bigger issue that's going on because you don't have the the tools in your mental, intellectual, emotional arsenal to handle this stuff. They're afraid to make a decision and take accountability. And say, look, or it didn't go my way. Exactly. So instead of saying, I'm going to try this, and if it doesn't work, I'm just going to blame this person. Instead of saying, okay, you know what? Or I'm, I'm going to fold up completely. Yeah, I'm done. This is too much work. If somebody younger than me lived... Not a day, because anybody can do it for a couple of days. I lived like two weeks of my life working my life schedule. They would be the first day, I'm not doing this, I can't. And yet, we seem to encourage this mm-hmm. a lot. And people and, are very needy. Well, we, I mean, we're in a time when, again, uh, sports being the example. And I, mm-hmm. one of the funny things about sports that I've always found really interesting is we're very adamant in sports that we're not going to have winners and losers lately anyway, that we're mm-hmm. not going to keep score, at least not with young kids. We don't want to have kids in elementary school. score no matter what. But we don't want to do it in sports because we don't want kids to get their feelings hurt or mm-hmm. feel like they're losing or whatever else, which I think is, I think is truly important that you learn how to deal with both being a gracious winner yep. and deal with the pain of losing at times. But we don't seem to have this same concern with academics. We, we, no. we give out a science award and an English award and a math award, and we don't have people saying... And an attendance award because you should be awarded that you showed up to school today. Yeah, but when the, when the kid gets up to win the science award and Bob gets up there or Sally gets up there to win the award, we don't say, well, what about all the other kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the truth. And my parents, this was one of the great moments of their life, and my tongue is in my cheek when I say this. In my high school, I went to a small high school... At the end, in graduation, they named, they started naming all the people who graduated as Ontario scholars, yeah. 80%, which I think was harder to get back then. I think, I think everybody gets 80% now just about, but back then. Mm-hmm. You had to work for it. Yeah. Probably 90% of the kids in my class ended up standing up and I was not standing up. My dad is a very smart man. He did very well in academics and in life. I'm sure that nearly killed him. But you know what? It was humiliating for me to be one of the ones still sitting down, but it mm-hmm. was a good thing yep. as opposed to the principal just saying, we're not going to honor the kids who have worked hard so we don't hurt the feelings of the ones who didn't put the effort in. I could have got 80%. I didn't yeah. put the effort in. Mm-hmm. 
And so I learned a lesson. You don't get the reward if you don't put in the effort. 100%, yes. And it would have been horrendously unfair for that principal to decide we're not going to give the moment to the people who did do the work so that Scott didn't have hurt feelings. I, I earned my hurt feelings. Yes, and you I took deserved, accountability. And I deserved my hurt feelings. And if I was one of the parents of the kids who had worked really hard and the school said, well, but Scott might feel upset, we're not going to do this, I would have been seriously ticked. Yeah. It also is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So you learn from this. You learn from losing and you develop, as I say, tools so we can deal with stuff when it doesn't go your way. Yeah. But I'm reading this article and it's a great column because again, we're talking about, I love this last line. We are losing crucial emotional and mental capacities for self-reflection. Let's stop there for a sec. For self-reflection because nothing is our fault. No, nothing is our fault ever. Not. That's self-reflection. Oh, you know what? I screwed up. But really nothing is ever my fault. I screwed up. For wandering thought. Yes. For which in other words, like when you were a young girl, did your mom ever just say, go outside and find something to do? Get out of the house. All the time. Actually, they didn't even have to ask us. We wanted to get out of the house and play. Because it was that independence. But you knew when the streetlights came on, you knew what time mom and dad were coming home at. So you had to rush home 30 minutes before they got there and did all your chores. So it made it look like you were doing everything. Uh, for the ability to tolerate boredom is the next line. Mm. Another big one. We And that's, that's an adult thing now. And you want to know something? As much as I've just been saying that I learned lessons, I'm now, you can't see me, we're on the radio. I'm holding up my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm falling back into that habit because now if yeah. there is a moment of something not happening, I start up and I play Candy Crush or I oh, do see, something else. I don't else. play games on my phone. Well, it's the only game. Well, but I do like to go on my phone. And it's true. Kids don't know what to do when, when there's like downtime. I call it downtime. Like chill out, relax, do what you need to do. They don't, they're like, well, what am, I, what am I supposed to do? My fault as a parent probably because I've always kept them busy because we were, they play sports and they're constantly on the go. So maybe that's my fault as a parent that they don't know the difference of just chilling out. But my son would say, oh, he's fine with chilling out because he wants to play a video game. And that's a whole nother topic. I am waiting. I am waiting for what I think has to be the next step, although I pray that it isn't. And that is in schools, you have school plays that are held. You have bands that are done. I'm waiting for the next step, which is going to be some kid comes home after tryouts for the school play and doesn't get the lead. And mom and dad march down to the principal's office and says, Sally, Mm -hmm. you cannot deny her. And now we're going to be having a school production of Les Mis where everybody is Jean Valjean. All the guys are all Jean Valjean and Mm -hmm. all the girls are all Cosette. And we don't have any of the other people because we can't separate you based on your ability. That's unfair. Mm-hmm. Listen, when, when we had plays back when I was younger, I was excited just to be a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people, I'm not saying you, I have no mm-hmm. idea what your acting or singing skills were like back yeah. then, but some people, that's where their acting and singing abilities yeah. should, lend, should land them. And you know what? You don't need skill, but we look at the people that, that are on TV. We've talked about this many times. The reality shows, the reality stars, they're all self-made because people like them, but they have no talent or skill, but a, you know, a, a parent helped them get there. And then they get there 
and they still don't even know what to do with their life. What exactly is the um, what exactly is the reason for the Kardashians' fame? What did they do? What what is their what is their contribution to yeah. society that led them to be famous? Well, did it not start? Well, obviously the father. Yes, who right. was O.J. Simpson's friend who read the alleged suicide note. Yes. That was Bob Kardashian. That's the first one we ever yes. heard about. And then um, there was the sex tape with Kim Kardashian. There, that's that's a high quality contribution so to there, society. Yeah, yeah, we have that because that's teaching our kids lots. But even then, she wasn't. F- she she's famous for being famous. Yeah, absolutely. It's because who they've hooked up with, who they made their circle with. And then mom saw, okay, she saw her in, the mompreneur, the momager, that's what they called her. Momager. And she saw, okay, this is what you're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to, she used her kids to make sure that money was coming in. But again, famous for being famous. think for themselves. Paris Hilton is another one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Now I know her father owned the, or grandfather, whoever it was, owned the Hilton hotel chain, but her skill set was... Nothing. And if she's listening, I'm sorry, Paris Hilton. She could smile and she dressed nice. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and I'm laughing because- She was it, a fashionista. It's Yeah. And she had a little dog, as I recall. Yes. That was an accessory. Again, I come back to, this is, this is who we are striving to be, which goes to the exact title of this, that we are becoming children. Because who are we looking at as our, uh, there, I don't want to go all old man here. But it, it's impossible not to go back a few years mm-hmm. before even my time and say the people that we looked at as heroes back in the 1960s, for example, were mm-hmm. the people who were putting man on the moon, physicists who were doing mathematical equations, who were the brightest people in the world. And now we're pointing to people who can make it onto a reality show. And they're fake. And do something that is outrageous, mm-hmm. that requires no abilities whatsoever, except a willingness to not have any shame or mm-hmm. embarrassment. You know what? And when I think of my daughter, who's a teenager now, I, I look at who she has. She looks up to. When you see the Kardashians, you see people. They have fake lips, fake eyes, fake this, fake that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we've always struggled with ourself, right? When we looked in the mirror, um, I think of myself growing up. I I looked at. Um, the Kate Moss, she was the skinny model. Mm-hmm. Now it's a kids are comparing themselves to people who are fake. And then that's who they think. Again, like you said, you could bring up someone in a historical person. No, they, they don't get smart is not cool. But there was a time that I think, I think, uh, uh, correct, again, someone can write in and correct me and tell me the name of the one I'm missing. But there was a time when you became famous either by doing something remarkable or doing something horribly criminal. Yeah. You had those two options to get yourself well-known. Now, and, and here's the problem with this whole thing. I don't know how we unwind the pendulum. I don't know how we get the pendulum swinging back because you're going to have all these. It's going to be people like us teaching the course. But it's our fault. By the way, before anyone says, well, you're again, being the old guy, it's our fault because we're the parents who Mm -hmm. raised these kids who are these mentally, intellectually, and emotionally stunted. Technically they're not our kids. You know who I mean. It's our generation that has created 
these kids who are incapable of going because to work in an office without playing Jenga for lunch hour and needing a break and needing to have a popsicle like Justin Bieber. Yeah, well, it's because our parents spanked our bums. Ooh, you think that's it? It's you our think? parents' fault. I blame my mom. I blame my dad. You think if we just got back to spanking and strapping that things <laughs> would be better? <laughs> On all levels. <laughs> I will take a break and we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Tracy Lynn, media mogul, media magnate. I'm not sure which one is the proper term, but she's all of those things. And if you're calling in, by the way, some lines lighting up, hang with us. Lorraine will get to you as fast as she can. Don't hang up. Uh, Tracy Lynn, who is, you can see her all over the place. Turn on your TV and she's there. Listen to your radio. She's there. Go on Facebook. She's there look out your window late at night. She's there. (laughs) No, probably not. I'll be there for the morning coffee. She's she's not a peeper. Uh, This story, you know, we were just talking about, have we become children? Have adults become children? Have we lost our capacity to adult? If we're going to turn adult into a verb to be mature, reasonable adults. Well, I hadn't really thought that this was a connected story, but now that I'm saying it out loud, I realize it may be. A woman in Australia, you may have heard this story by now, a a vegan in Australia has filed a lawsuit against her neighbors because they were barbecuing meat and fish in their backyard. And she says, this is is an affront to her. It's deliberate. All I smell is fish, she said. That's her quote. I can't enjoy my backyard. It's been devastating. It's been turmoil. It's been unrest. I haven't been able to sleep. Again, I'm quoting her. That's with a raised voice. Um, The the response to this, because it got lots of attention, the response to this is, 9,000 non-vegans, 9,000 meat eaters have signed up to enjoy a barbecue in the neighbor's <laughs> backyard. <laughs> uh, I don't think 9,000 of them are going to fit in. But once again, mm-hmm. how do we, how have we gotten to the point where we can't, uh, look, there are people who do stuff that we don't like. We're easily offended. We're easily off- Like it's just, it's life. That is what we are. Instead of being polite, we're offended by what you say. Yes. And what are we going to do when you think, when we could go back to that other story where adults are becoming children, adults will then have a temper tantrum because they want to get their way. They want their 10 seconds of fame. And you know what? I'm going to sue you. Why? Because I don't like what you're doing. Uh, she filed a 600 page document for her lawsuit outlining this. She has a lot of time on her hands. 600 apparently. pages? Double uh, spaced? I, I hope so. If if she were to be successful, and I'm guessing that she won't because people are in their backyard, you're still supposedly entitled. I mean, you can do pretty much anything you want in your backyard, mm-hmm. I think, short of killing someone. Um, I, I just, could you not then sue someone in the office who wore the wrong perfume or too much perfume or had BO or farted or did anything that offended your yeah. nays or who spoke too loudly? or who wore a color that offends you, mm. or, I mean, just start thinking through the things that, and but people not, do it. I don't pe- like your shirt today. It upsets me. I I'm know, going home. I know people do that stuff, I guess, but when did, when Where did we, we say enough is enough? When did we become bold enough to say, like, if you, honestly, you look lovely when you came in today, but if you had come in here wearing something garish and hideous, mm-hmm. 
And I had said, Tracy, you know, and I'm going to need you to go home and change because what you're wearing is really atrocious. Mm-hmm. I would never, even if you had walked in here wearing, what was, who was the one who, the actress who wore the meat dress? Lady Gaga oh, that yeah. one time. If you had come in here wearing a meat dress, I would not have said anything. Cause no, it's you just, would have fired up the barbecue. Well, I would have, but it, because it would have been so impolite. I was t- taught as a kid, you just, you know, don't. And you learned that lesson. I learned that lesson. Um, but as far as what's going on today, anything goes. That's the sad part. We're too sensitive. Su- suing someone, though, for barbecuing. Listen, I she run, wrote a 600-page letter. I may... Um, I may run the risk. In fact, I'm sure I'll run the risk of upsetting a vegan or two with this one. And it's not just vegans, although they are, some vegans are on the list. There are people of all kinds of philosophies and I'll call Mm -hmm. veganism a philosophy. I don't know if that's the right term for it or not. Cyclists, uh, urban cyclists are another one, but like all of them, it's not just those. If that need to realize I don't care what you eat. I don't want to know what you eat. You go ahead and eat your vegan food and I'll go ahead and eat mine. And it's not a personal affront to you. If I'm sitting in the office eating a pork chop and you're vegan, it should not matter whatsoever to you that I'm doing this. And I don't need to hear from you that you don't like the idea that I ate a pork chop. I don't care. Well, and if it does bother you, then just get up and go. Well, you can't do that. That's your right to be there. But again, and I don't expect, by the same token, if you're a vegan, mm-hmm. I don't th- expect that I'm going to say, hey, I put my pork chop on a fork and wave it in your nose and go, look, yeah. I'm eating meat. Yeah. Where's the mutual respect? Like this woman clearly, I think, unless. Yeah, could I, you imagine someone throwing a salad in your face? It'd be awful. <laughs> but unless this person, and there's no evidence in this story, unless this person is somehow barbecuing aggressively. If such a thing is possible, or taunting her, maybe. or taunting her, or something like that. If that's the, but there's no nothing in this story is suggesting that they are throwing barbecued meat over her porch or putting a fan to blow it towards her or something. It's just live with the other people around you, and if they're barbecuing outside, maybe don't be out in the backyard for, you know, when my neighbor cuts their grass, I don't necessarily like to hear the lawnmower going for that time. So you can step inside Mm -hmm. the house, or you can tolerate the grass Mm -hmm. being cut. I don't have to yell, do the grass when I'm not home. Yeah. Well, because that's, again, goes back to your, you, you aren't, you don't feel entitled that the world revolves around you. Now there are exceptions. Okay. I get it. There are exceptions. If you're going to fire up a power saw and do a renovation to your house with a, with hammering and nailing at three in the morning on a Saturday morning, I might be upset by that. Yes. Or even at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Or fire off fireworks. Mm -hmm. But that again goes back to our, what we were taught, what we learned growing up, how our values and stuff. Um, And I'm always, you know, do unto others as they do unto you. So if my neighbor's going to do that, then I'm probably going to do it back to them. I'm not going to sue them. Uh, this, uh, this, I should just fill in the gaps here. This woman who has filed the lawsuit um, is also apparently furious at cigarette smoke wafting into her yard and the sound of children playing with basketballs next door. Well, it's always those children that play outside. That gets me all the time. Um, so yes, he. Uh, it is. Um, she just needs a hobby or a significant part, like other partner. She needs a. She needs a person in her life. 
I don't know what the answer. I I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I think we need to, it's not just her. Like we've had cases here in Hamilton of people saying no basketball on the street in front of my house. There's your hockey, you know, your, your road hockey ball got into my flowers, you know. Because we're bitter people. Seems like it. It seems like it. It seems like we don't have a lot of ability to live and let live, quite simply. Mm -hmm. It's... And the biggest thing is it seems that it's, for some people anyway, mostly about us. That's the, that's the sad part about it, which again goes back to the idea, I think it wasn't intended to be a theme, but goes back to the idea of us being children. Because when you're a child, it's all about you. Mm-hmm. There is no sense of other people around. It's all about you. Oh, and well. if you don't get your way, you have a temper tantrum, you cry and you eventually get it because we don't want to hear you anymore. Uh, if you're interested though, if you can get down to Perth, Australia, the barbecue outside her house is scheduled for October the 19th. Right now, 9,000 people have signed up to bring a barbecue and meat. Road trip. Might be worth it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. So this week or this year, I guess it's this year, uh, although the story just came out this week, this year marks the 25th anniversary of the launch of the show Friends which is stunning to think that it's been 25 years. That is, that is just aging all of us rapidly when you think that that show has been a quarter of a century since it started. But anyway, there was a piece on Buzzfeed that created a bit of a firestorm, got a billion tweets and got a billion people follow. Let me read you one paragraph. The, um, the headline on this piece is friends hasn't aged well. And here's one paragraph, but loving friends in 2019 requires a level of mental gymnastics that should force the show to remain a forgotten blip in the past. List any of your favorite episodes and there's likely something grotesque buried in the plot. Chandler's father is inexplicably and unnecessarily a drag queen played by actor Kathleen Turner and is the source of many anti-trans punchlines. As a teenager, Monica was fat, and that's it. That's the joke. Watch here, watch her dance in a fat suit. Ross's ex-wife is a lesbian, and isn't it funny his son has two mummies? Save for a few token characters of color that popped up every now and then, the show was so white that Phoebe is the only blonde could be considered a minority, and on and on and on. I'm not going to ask you whether you're a Friends fan or not. My question is more along the lines of, can we judge or should we be judging old shows that were made 25 years ago by the mores and sentiments and, and sensibilities of 2019? Or can we just watch an old show and go, ah, that was funny then and that was, and I can still enjoy it. I would like to know how old this person is that wrote it. Um, because I bet you they weren't even born or they didn't even see it because they were too young to watch it. Well, I what? am a fan. I love Friends. Um I, I just, I am. I, I love Friends. My my kids watch it. Actually, my daughter's named after Ross and Rachel's baby, Emma. Okay. And that is no lie. That is exactly That's where, where I got her name. That's where you came up with the name? Absolutely. Um, you know what? Hey, I was a fat kid when I was growing up, like a chubby kid. Big deal. Am I sensitive to it now? You know, watching it back? No. I'm just always curious when we take old shows or old movies and people now want to, again, run them through the prism of modern day and say, that's now, you can't watch that. We've heard that lately with James Bond movies. Mm -hmm. James Bond, look, James Bond slept around. He dismissed women as objects. He drank a lot. He shot people on and on and on. Therefore- Welcome to 2019. Well, but it's, the fact is, can you watch old entertainment 
movie, TV, whatever, and say, I I can still watch this and still enjoy it, or do you have to discard so much of what we made in the past? Yeah, you can't judge it now, 25 years later. At the time, actually, I have rewatched the whole series, and I get a lot more now than I did when I first watched it. Um, No, I come on. This is where I, I just said this, with all these reboots that are happening, we have a generation of people or a group of people that are just so um, uncreative. I don't even know what the word is. They can't think of something on their own. So what are we going to do? We're going to dig something up from the past because, you know what, people liked that. I'm going to hop on that bandwagon instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to be creative and come up with my own sitcom. What I don't like when you talk about stuff from the past coming up is the new Beverly Hills 90210. See, I've, I've seen a minute or two of that. That's it. I don't like it. It makes me feel old. Well, yes, it, it would. I mean, it makes don't move. But I, but again, I think that some, some sitcoms, yeah, I know. uh, And some movies should not do the, this live, you know, showcasing uh, reboots. They should leave things back there or back where they were, because at the time that was the humor at the time. See, I think we're running the risk of getting to a point where we may have a day before too long when you can't have a comedy because somebody will be offended by something always and we can't offend anybody and therefore just don't even, we're not even going to try. We're not even going to try anymore. Yeah. And you know what the next thing is, like we said earlier, adults becoming children. We're going to start recreating like Barney for these adults. Let's hope not. Let's hope that the only time I want to see Barney is when he's released into Jurassic, in a Jurassic on. world and one yeah. of the other dinosaurs eats him. Yeah. No, it's... um. You can't judge it. You can't even... Friends is in a league by its own. Leave them alone. At least they were smart enough not to come back and do a reboot. So far. They said they might do a reunion, but that's different. So far, I... They won't do it. We've heard other other shows, though, that have that people have taken aim at them for saying that they are inappropriate now to watch in 2019. We've heard lots of... Look at Seinfeld. See, I... Seinfeld, I think, still stands, although I'm sure there's stuff in there that mm-hmm. would be offensive by today's standards. I mean, go, look, go back to, well, uh, All in the Family. You could never do uh-huh. All in the Family now. Yeah. Now, the, the irony of that is the whole purpose of All in the Family was to point out the racism mm-hmm. of Archie Bunker, right? He, Archie Bunker was not the hero no. of that show. But we're not smart enough in 2019 or, or we don't get the nuance enough to say, no, they're actually making fun of Archie Bunker there. Yeah. His racism is not the point of it. We're mocking him for mm-hmm. that. Uh, Maud would yep. be probably one we couldn't do. The Jeffersons. Now, I mean, any uh, uh, good times where Florida is a, yeah. you know, all these. Uh, what about Three's Company? Oh. Could you imagine that one? Three's Company would think of the, I've said this before on the air. Um, Three's Company, no, you could never even go into a meeting and pitch Three's Company. Now, Three's Company is not exactly the height of intellectual comedy or no. cultural relevance, but nonetheless, you could never pitch Three's Company. Could you imagine going into a meeting and pitching Hogan's Heroes now? We've oh got this sitcom gosh. we're going to do in a prisoner of war camp where the Nazis are mm-hmm. the, before they got the second sentence of the pitch out of their mouth, they would have been thrown out of the office. Don't even mention it here. We'll get, we'll get fired if we even listen to any more of this pitch. You can go through every old sitcom probably and find stuff. 
that was not what the culture was yep. back then. But to say that because of that, we have to get rid of it or we can't watch friends or somehow you're supposed to feel guilty if you watch friends and maybe giggle at some of these mm-hmm. things. Um, but if you look back, I mean, it kind of has, people are living that life now. Do you know what I, you understand what I'm saying? Like there's, we, we didn't talk about parents who, who had maybe two moms. Now it's just, that is what it is. It is. It's normal. Uh, so, this this wow. article, by the way, just on the BuzzFeed site mm-hmm. had 356 comments almost on. I didn't read all of them, but I would say that the vast majority told this author, this writer, that she's an idiot. Good. But you know what? I don't think this is going to be going away Every as we get more and more into the more and more shows as time goes on, as sensibilities change a little bit here and there. Take a show, I don't know, The Office, one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. I don't think The Office is, I can't think of what would be offensive in The Office, but wait five years and yeah. something will change and somebody will be offended by something. But do we blame then the writers of The Office who weren't writing stuff that was considered offensive at the time? So now you have to think 10 years ahead to see if you're going to hurt someone's feelings if exactly. you're writing a sitcom. Exactly, exactly. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.